Welcome back, Couch Critics. Well, welcome back to Sammy. You've seen me in the past couple of logs that I've done, but uh, I'm Brad. This is Sog. Uh, welcome back to a bit of a chat. We're going to try and do a bit of a weekly chat from here on till the end of the season. Uh, so watch out for these videos. We'll try and get them up on Thursdays before uh, the round of action. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about some of the games from the weekend, look ahead to the, some of the weekend matches and talk about some hot topic. Well, maybe not hot topics, some uh, interesting topics that have come up cr- across the uh, the week. Um, Melbourne City Premiers, that's not a hot topic. No one even cares. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, get into it. Uh, oh, actually, so Samuel, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. A bit busy at the moment, which is, you know, hence uh, we've not been uh, super active lately. But, mm. yeah, busy but enjoying the football, just kind of quietly, not tweeting too much, just just trying to enjoy it. Get amongst the soccer Twitter. Get across the most toxic community in Australian sport. <laughs> um, anyway, let's dive into it. First game on the Friday night was Newcastle beating MacArthur 2-1, um, Aiden. Last name, can't think of it. Anyway, scored a O'Neill. Oh wait, Aiden O'Neill. No, it's not O'Neill. That's the Melbourne City guy. Brandon O'Neill. Brandon O'Neill. That's why. Okay, I see why I got confused there. Brandon <laughs> O'Neill scoring the winner. I think in like the fourth or fifth minutes of stoppage time. Um, yeah. And Macarthur just cannot stop conceding uh, in stoppage time there, uh, but it keeps Newcastle within the race uh, in the mix of making the finals. Like it, epic finish to a match, Macarthur. Equalising in the ninety-second minute, you think mm. that's it. Like they, they've snatched something there, mm. and then Brendan O'Neill with just a beautiful hit had so much time. He's like thirty yards out and just each mm. each of a left footer. Mm. Love it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty good for him personally. I think he spoke after the game about uh, what he's been through the past uh, year or so with the, the passing of his father. So uh, it's a it's a good moment for him. Um, yeah. MacArthur, I think they're technically still in the race for the finals, but uh, boy, they're just, they've thrown away like they, they had a lead in stoppage time against the Wanderers. They were going to get a point here against Newcastle. They're just, geez, they've really thrown away their chances of keeping within touch of the finals in the past couple of weeks. It's almost like they've got the mentality of a team that just kicks around at the pub. It's like, yeah, maybe Dwight York was right. To be able to stick with it. And um, I, I, a big loss for them was Davila. Like mm-hmm. losing him, I think that was their season over. And yeah, mathematically they can make it, but that takes pretty much everybody else losing ahead of them. So I don't think it's going to happen. Or we've lost you, Brad. Put the headset off. Um, on to the next game Central Coast, uh, one all against Melbourne City. Um, I think it was Geordie Boss scoring a fantastic goal uh, for City. Um, in the end, it was, well, with a further result we'll get to, that was enough for City to secure a third straight uh, premiership. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, did you see much much of this game, Samuel? It was a really good crowd, over 10,000 there for this game in Gosford. Yeah, the whole game seemed to be back and forth. There, there was not a whole lot of solid possession. Uh, t- both teams would kind of turn the ball over and then... Mm-hmm straight on the attack down the other end. Like, it was a fantastic, uh, entertaining game to watch, and particularly the ending. After Boss scored his goal, mm. uh, you would think City, the team that they are and the dominance they've kind of had in the league, they would go on. 
but Central Coast came right back at them and had quite a few chances. So, mm. yeah, it was a fantastic match. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, very good. And, well, this was a game I was at, Wanderers beating Melbourne Victory 2-1. It was enough to confirm the Wanderers' long-awaited return to the finals. Um, did you watch this one at all, Samuel? Uh, I watched little bits and pieces of this one. Uh, I can't say I watched all of it. Mm. Um, but I did see the fantastic through ball from Borello to Leoni mm. to score the winner. Uh, pretty late on, again, like Wanderers have, have shown a good consistency of scoring late goals. Uh, this season and this is another one Leuni on the bench to start which I thought was an interesting decision but comes on makes an impact like yeah he's he's looked great and that's maybe just a side point but Leuni is the first striker Wanderers have signed in some time foreign striker who, who actually seems to know what he's doing on a football pitch yeah, the last time I had a striker like this would have been Oriol Riera, and I think he copped a lot of slack back in the day, but I thought, you know, he's seemed to score quite a lot of goals. But for me, I think he's the most exciting player that's put on a Wanderers shirt since Shinji Ono all those years ago. You just yeah. like you just don't know what, what he's going to do. He's so exciting on the ball. Um, yeah, well, I think we're pretty lucky to take the lead at halftime. Brennan Borello scoring in stoppage time of the first half, and then Volupale scored the equaliser. A bit sloppy against the runner play in the second half. Then... Um, Roderick Miranda got sent off. Just like, and, and these arguments, like, it's like you die, jump in with your studs, you make contact to the leg. It's a send off. And I don't know why people argue and they sit on the field and they mope and they cry about, oh, it's not a red card. It's like it's been a red card all year. Mm. Um, we want consistency from the refs and we've been getting consistency for that. And uh, it probably changed the game, but uh, that's not saying that the Wanderers got an unfair advantage. Um, and like you said, Leonie, um great finish. Yeah. Um, for him, yeah, Wanderers still had to fight for that for that victory against the ten men. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, next game, um, Adelaide and uh, Western United. Uh, United. No, keeping... no, no. That's that's the last game of the round. Was it? Oh, okay. That's the last game. We got. We've oh, got to yeah. Go sorry, sorry. Yeah, my bad. It's Wellington and Brisbane. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah two all uh, at Eden Park and in Auckland, uh, which could be the home of a future A League men's team in a couple of years, but. Yeah, Wellington, I, I didn't watch this game. Um, I was still out and about uh, my local football game. But um, did you watch this one at all? I, I Again, I, I only saw little snippets of this one. Um, I definitely saw the 60 seconds in which uh, Ball hit the post like three times, was it? Like something outrageous. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. two pens in the game. O'Shea scored in quite a few games back to back now. I think he's gone now. on a big run, which is just unreal. I'm not sure how many of them have been penalties, but he's um he's racking up some goals for six games a in team a that's still not in the top six. And a team that doesn't score a lot of goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think uh Wellington aren't officially in the finals, but I think they're they're just gonna get there uh, in the end and Brisbane they really needed that win to have any hope. Um, but it's it's a real sign of how competitive uh, the bottom six are. Um, and yeah. now moving on to this game, I might let you talk about this one because you were there, Sydney FC beating Perth Glory 4-1. Uh, quite convincingly, it's I probably haven't seen so many performances like this, that this year. Yeah, look, if you believe Steve Corica's spin, uh, Sydney FC should be second because we've been that good all season. I, I don't know if that's quite true. Um, Perth's defence was pretty rubbish on the weekend like Sydney were walking through now Sydney did 
look better than they have in in previous weeks. Um, but you know, still conceding a goal. Um, yeah, Perth Perth just weren't great, and um, it was good to see Alfie back, and and he looked finally like he was getting the service he's he's kind of been wanting for the last yeah. two seasons. Um, I didn't see Sydney cross the ball in aimlessly this game, which is a first like for the season, uh, considering we don't have a, a proper nine. Uh, that was nice to see. But, yeah, Sydney looked okay, um, but Perth were pretty rubbish, and, and it really helped Sydney out, um, keeps them right right in the six and yep. right on the back of Wellington now. Yep. Um, cool. I mean, well, I, I jumped the gun a bit before with the last game of the round, uh, Western United getting a good uh, way win against Adelaide United. Do you notice it was a, a good little turnout for Western United, probably – uh, 30, 20, 30 fans there. Probably did help that the gather round was on uh, in the AFL. So maybe if you made the trip, but, you know, who cares? It worked out well uh, for the game. Mm. Um, another great crowd at Adelaide, but uh, not a good performance. Two games in a row, they've looked a bit poor. Uh, Adelaide at home, they had the draw against Sydney FC last week. And now um, a win and a loss to Western United. Still, it keeps Western in the finals hunt, uh, the reigning champions. But uh, yeah. Adelaide's just looking a bit off at the moment at the wrong time too. Yeah, look, they were still having plenty of chances. They were still attacking lots. Mm. And it's probably not the time of the season, though, that you want that those half chances to not go in. I think a lot of this mm. season, Adelaide have been just scoring chances that are kind of 50-50. Um, so the last couple of games, that hasn't happened for them. And, and yeah, maybe that's a worry for them. But with the quality they've got up front, you know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about Adelaide. Okay, well, that was uh, the wrap on round 24. Um, I, I did send you a message with some brief topics I might have wanted to have a chat about. Uh, first off, what I did saw before we started filming this was the race with Alex Tobin medal, the the player's player, the Brownlow medal, the, the Dally M of the A-League. And um, at the moment, it's Matthew Leckie on top with 29, only one point ahead against uh, above Brandon Borello. And then a, Brandon Borello is two points ahead of Joe Lolly. So that's 29, 28, and 26 those three guys are on. So... Interesting yeah. last two weeks, and Melbourne City will play the Wanderers in the final round of the season. So it's pretty open. Um, well, well Lecky's not going to. Lecky's not going to get any more points because he's out injured. Yeah, of course. And so, so really, it's Brandon Borello's to lose, unless Joe Lolly, which I'm actually a bit surprised that Lolly's there, and maybe it talks to the lack of quality in the rest of the Sydney squad that he consistently has picked up points. Yeah. I don't think he's been on the same level as uh, Brandon Borello and definitely not as good as Craig Goodwin, who's below him. Um, mm. And we talked about maybe that's because the Adelaide squad is actually so good and, and each week they have a, a range of good performers mm. that that actually takes points away from somebody, whereas a Joe Lolly maybe is getting points where no one else is really standing out and so he's scraping a couple of points here and there, which which bumps him up. But Brandon Borello has been fantastic. And with Lucky, you know, still out injured, um, with two rounds to go, he, he very well, the form he's in, could take that out. Yeah. And and I wouldn't begrudge him of it, to be honest. He, he's been electric. Like another goal and assist on the weekend just shows just how quality he is. Getting a Socceroos call up, he's been fantastic. I think I, I saw a, a clip on a... I think it was actually it was um, Daniel Georgeski talking about just some people in the A-League are just happy to just go from club to club and just keep 
getting their paycheck, just playing the same football. I look at someone like Brendan Barillo. He came back to Australia with a real point. You know, he came back from ACL. He wasn't uh, in the Socceroos squad anymore, and he's really put in a shift. He's got the call up back to the Socceroos. I imagine, unfortunately, probably he's probably deserved a, a good contract overseas next year if he wants it. Um, he's one of those players that have really turned up. He could have just came here, got his pay, and you know, just mm-hmm. played up. But he just runs all day. I just don't know how he does it. Um, and he doesn't look that gassed too when he runs that much. But yeah, I, I think personally for myself, uh, I think no bias, but I think Brandon Borello has been uh, the player of the season uh, for me. Uh, he's been fantastic. Um, but anyway, Greg Goodwin's fourth. I think we mentioned in Alex Tobin, Jay O'Shea's in fifth. And then you've got three guys tied in sixth, Reno Pescopo, Brian Keltic, who I think has been one of the best centre-backs in the comp, even though he's been sent off like 50 times. Uh <laughs> And also Max Burgess is tied for six. And you've got Marco Tullio and Oscar Zawada tied on ninth. So that rounds out your top ten. But uh, let's jump on to – did you hear the news? I don't know if you did. I don't think anyone cares anyway. Melbourne City, premiers for a third year in a row. Yeah, crickets. huge, huge. Um, it, it really shouldn't be crickets. Or it, like, yeah. It's quite an achievement. Uh, the yeah. first team to go three premierships back-to-back. Um. Yeah, like that's huge, and you know, we we didn't mention that, as well as clinching the A League uh, men's title this this weekend, they also clinched the club championship. Uh, now that's a proper cricket trophy. That's a very like who cares about that trophy? But yes, that is <laughs> yeah, a, but... a good sign for the club that they're top. Well, I mean, they perform really well in both comps. Yeah, that's right. Like everything seems to be going the right way. And, and we talk about this, you know, love to see them with more fans, the kind of football they're playing. But it does kind of pose the question, I think, like three consecutive seasons, premiers, but would you rather hold them in the same regard as Angers Brisbane and Arnie Sydney FC, who, who both went two seasons back-to-back and who looked just dominant? when they were in their, their forms? Oh, I think like those teams have probably got to win the grand final this year for me to consider that. I think I think we'll always probably think that Ange team is probably one of the best A-League teams of all time and same with that um, um, the Sydney FC team as well. Um, for some reason, I... And I, I'm wrong when I say this, but like I, I don't think they are because... Like they're just flying under the radar. No one cares. It's probably because no one really cares about Melbourne City. Um, but I, I think we have to. It's the first time someone's won three premierships in a row. No one's ever done this before. And at times this season, they've been comfortable. They were comfortable last year. And the year mm. before, they had a slow run into the finals, but they wrapped up the uh, premiership well in advance. Um, they've done it with ease. And I think... I think we should really be talking about them being one of the best teams in A-League history. They've got some quality players. You can say, yeah, they've brought them in. But over the years, they've developed some really uh, good players. You've got Marco Attilio, Nathaniel Atkinson before a couple of years ago. They've picked up some really good players. They've developed them like Daniel Alzani. That was before, obviously, this run they've gone on. But, um, you know, we can criticise, you know, and I think it's a right thing to criticise um, their involvement with the City Football Group and the kind of sports watching that comes from that. But they have invested a lot into junior development in Australian football. And I don't think any other club um, can boast uh, the kind of players they've developed in the past three years. So, yeah, for me, I think, yeah, I think we need to talk about them as ugly 
one of the best teams in the A-League era. Yeah, and I think it is um, kind of a mark of their domination this season. We were just talking about uh, Matthew Leckie, who's who's still at the top mm-hmm. of the the points for, um, and yet he he's been out injured for for quite a while now. And so the early domination and without one of their best players and Marco Tilio's just stepped up and mm. and performed probably not as good as, as Matt Leckie was at the start of the season, but he's adding goals, he's adding assists, like he's a valuable part of their team. And like they just slot those people in. Mm. You got Geordie Boss who mm. really only broke out last season and now he's one of the best players in the league and dominating uh, the left-hand side of the field, and and just casually swapping over to the right and popping in a goal. Like you got Aiden O'Neill as well. Yeah, Valon Barisha just you know yeah. popped over to Australia this season, and he's just doing bits. Uh, Florin Berenguer is one of those players who who probably doesn't get the attention he deserves. Uh, is probably just as quality as somebody like a Ninkovic was for Sydney FC. Uh, or uh, a Bruce was for that Brisbane side, mm. uh, but he doesn't get the plaudits. He he kind of flies under the radar a lot. So it is this kind of weird thing about City that, yeah, we don't quite rate them like we should maybe. Uh, no, if if you've got a different opinion and you're listening along, let us know, you know, why isn't this City side considered as great as they should be or, you know, maybe tell us why you think they are. And, mm. um, yeah, yeah, it is just quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, um, so there, there it is, uh, third uh, premiership in a row. Um, two grand, they've made what the past three grand finals: a loss against Sydney FC, a win against Sydney FC, and a win, a loss against Western. Um, so yeah, I think for me, if they, if you really want to talk about being the best in the A League era, I think they've got to win the grand final. I think people reckon the premiership's more important, and I would argue, well, not in this country. And we can see from the reaction of them winning it that no one really cared. Mm. And it yep. will be, like, whether you like it or not, the grand final is a big thing uh, that you have to win to prove your point uh, in Australian sport. And I think for them, Melbourne City, yeah, I think they need to win that because they're pretty ordinary in last year's finals. They scraped in the grand final. They were bang average. I, I know they're missing quite a few of the Australian squad, but they were bang average in the grand final. So hopefully for their sake, they can pull it together for the grand final and hopefully for both of our sakes, they don't. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And I think, well, there's a potential conversation we could be having, and maybe we'll save it for another day, but in a salary cap league where this team's making, you know, if they go on all the way this season, that's four grand finals in a row, uh, three premierships in a row. Hmm. Does the salary cap work? Well, I or, think it does. Or are they reaping the benefits of investing money in ways the salary cap doesn't it, you know, affect like their youth, their youth development and and coaching staff and and just kind of facilities that make them an elite club that, you know, they're not a pub team like MacArthur. They're not a shonkily, you know, numbers falling off the back um Brisbane Raw. They're not a club owned by three different A League clubs like the Jets. You know, those are clubs who are never going to win the league in the next couple of years because they're just run like an absolute basket case whereas mm. melbourne city is not run like a basket case they run really well really professionally but maybe the salary gap doesn't work either you know yeah. uh, well 
Yeah, I, I think it's so. It's up to those other clubs because Melbourne City know their owners know that they can't splash the cash like they do with Man City, um, like they do with New York City. They have to be mindful. They mm. can't splash, and they they recruit smartly, like Alan Barisha, Florian Berenguer. We don't know who these guys. They weren't household names before they came to the A League, and they performed really well. They've invested into juniors. What did Brisbane and Sydney FC do when they had their success? Did they yeah. plant the same seeds? Sydney FC have got a crap load of good talent. Yet, what are they doing? They're not on the field as often. Yeah, and and that's that's probably Stevie Corica. But like, yeah, I, I think I think the salary cap well does work in a way because like Sydney FC dominated. Look at them now. Brisbane ten years ago dominated. Look at them now. Uh, co- comes in ebbs and waves, but I think Man City, are, uh, Melbourne City, are making the most of it. Um, mm. They're smart with everything they do, and you know it's up to the other clubs to actually pull their finger out and invest in their juniors, buy smart overseas because they know they can't buy. Hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, they can't get the big household names, but they can go overseas and think, here's a really good player that'll fit our system. Um, like, look at yeah. Wanderers, uh, Marcelo, you know, he actually had a pretty decent career over in Europe, but we would not many people in Australia would have known of him. Um, the same with Milos Ninkovic, actually a really good player over in Europe, but he still wasn't that household name. And they small, the Sydney FC bought smart all those years ago. So, mm. hats off to Melbourne City. They're working the system, and it's up to the other clubs to challenge it or lift their game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's move on to a bit, another topic that came out today. Uh, we are recording on a Wednesday, um, so that's when we say today is today's Wednesday. Brisbane Raw, they're moving back to Lang Park or for sponsorship names, uh, Lang uh, Suncorp Stadium. So, and their <laughs> women's are going to play at Ballymore Stadium, and there, there might be talk about the Raw taking a few games to Ballymore as well. Um, mm. I don't know if you saw this news. Do you have any thoughts on this news, Samuel? I did see this news, uh, and I think my favourite reaction was somebody posted a meme that said, breaking news, Brisbane announced that they're going to play in Brisbane. <laughs> like, yeah. cool. Uh, they're kind of talking about going back to their spiritual home. Uh, I don't buy that. It's a soulless stadium. But, um, yeah. Qu- Queensland's a bit of a soulless state and Brisbane's a, a soulless <laughs> city, so... Um, anyway, anyway, we're doing really well to um, include all our listeners from all over Australia and, and not just yeah, be New South Wales centric. Bro, like I'm, 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 a, I'm a New South Welshman growing up following rugby league. Do you want me to be sympathetic to Queenslanders? No. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, anyway, yeah. Look, I, I think I think the women's team has gotten the better deal out of this. They get to play at the redeveloped Ballymore, um, which is probably more appropriately sized. I don't know how many. That's but I still think to... it's a couple of years off the redevelopment because the redevelopment for the Olympics, the Olympics still nine years away. So yeah, sure. I don't know if it's happening overnight. But, yeah, it it looks like it's well, going to be a nice stadium once it's done. Even before the redevelopment, like if it's just one stand, that's probably appropriate for a Brisbane yeah. Royal Women's team. And one of the stands I think has been condemned so they can't use one of it until obviously <laughs> yeah. it's redeveloped. Okay, lovely. Yeah. That's um, well, that's that's pretty A-league quality then. Excellent. You love to see it. Yeah, look, I think as for Brisbane playing back in Suncourt, their crowds have been not horrendous at Redcliffe. They're pretty average. And they probably have lots of fans up there in Redcliffe. They're pretty crap. But, yeah, I think their attendances will be better at Suncourt. They should be hitting towards 10,000. A club like Brisbane Raw... A city like Brisbane, they should be getting behind that team. Hmm. 
it just looks terrible in a massive Suncorp stadium. So, you know, it, it's good. It's still it's it's better than Redcliffe. Yeah, I I, I think I think there's a lot of problems with the club, um, particularly their owners, um, not investing in the club, um, and those couple of years away in Redcliffe. So I don't know my geography of Queensland that well, but from my understanding, it's quite a hike from the CBD of Brisbane, where they were used to base. Pun. It's like a 45-minute drive. Yeah, and some people would argue that it's not a part of Brisbane. Um, I'm not going to have that argument. Um, I think Suncorp is a good location, easy to get to. problem is it is 50,000. It does look pretty horrendous, even when there's 10,000 people in it. Um, but I, yeah. I think it'll be better for them to play at Suncorp because it's more centralised. A lot of people spoke online about how they just never went to Redcliffe because it was so yeah. far out. I'd imagine it'd be something like... Uh, I can't really compare it to Sydney because the ge- geographic is very different, but like 45 minutes from the CBD of Sydney is what? Penrith. Well, like driving down to Wollongong. Yeah. And Wollongong's not a part of Sydney. So, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, it's it's very different. I, I think it'll be better for them crowd-wise. I think Ballymore, my understanding is the public transport isn't particularly great and a lot of the locals have a sook every time there's an event on because they don't like the noise. Yet they bought a house next to a major sporting facility, but it is a rugby facility, so maybe that tells you the demographic of the people. Very like, eh, why are you making noise? Shut up. I can't hear why I eat my caviar sandwich. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I don't care if I'm offending anyone. Um yeah. So yeah, I I, th- I I like the idea when they used to play at Lang Park and they played like one game a season at Dolphin Stadium. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it was kind of like going to somewhere else in Brisbane. I think it worked well when it was just a one-off game, but when it became the whole season, I just don't think it worked. Um, yep. So I, I think it'd be good that they're there, but still, I think what Queensland need is a purpose-built football stadium, um, redevelopment never get park one. or something like that. They'll never get one. Like yeah, and, and that's pretty. It's pretty disgraceful what uh, the Queensland government's done where they're going to invest in so much all these new facilities for the Olympics. They're going to redevelop the gap, rebuild the Gabba for like $4 billion. Um, they're going to redevelop Ballymore for rugby, um, yet not a cent is towards any purpose-built football stadium. Well, and, and just in that, like nothing they're redeveloping is an Olympic sport. <laughs> like they're, they're up doing uh, the Gabba because it'll be the Olympic Stadium, sure. It'll have yeah, other stuff. But it'll never host it. athletics or anything like that ever again. It'll just no, host cricket and no, AFL. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty horrendous. Like just that's I, I I'm sure nobody listening to this is is you know surprised by any of these facts though. Uh, like and then Brisbane, the pre- sure. The pre- yeah, the Premier of Queensland, Anastasia Palaszczuk, is on the 2020 2023 FIFA World Cup ambassador or something crap like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit sucky, but you know that's what we deal with in Australia. I, I don't think we're going to see much of a difference in stadiums in the next, you know, fifty years. Like it's just not going to happen. Mm. I, the, I the, think that. Oh, sorry. What? Well, just the way that governments have control over everything that gets built, they're not going to agree to little ten thousand seater stadiums. They want big monstrosities that you know, waste taxpayers' yeah. money. Yeah. And it's going to take clubs like Western United to get the funds and build their own stadium um, yeah. if that happens. But, you know, if you want a 15,000-purpose stadium, it's up to the club to do it. And 
if Melbourne City owners aren't even going to do it, I don't think anyone's going to do it. So, yeah. Uh, well, Western United's going to do it, hopefully. So there we go. Um, anyway, um, that's um, the Brisbane move. Uh, we haven't got a lot much left on our Zoom meeting because we're tight asses and we don't pay for it. Um, but let's have a quick chat just about Wellington's new coach. Uh, a couple of days, I think last week it was announced that Fitale was not going to stay with the Knicks uh, heading into the 23-24 season. Um, but he's been replaced yeah. by G- Juan Carlo Italiano. Yeah, the chief, the assistant coach for a while. Yeah. Uh, always been a bit of a uh, an interesting figure on the sidelines. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting move. Um, firstly, dealing with the, the Talley situation, um, I think rightly he, he should be able to pursue other opportunities. He's done a great job mm. with Wellington over the last four seasons and really made them a solid club. Mm. Um, making the finals this year, and and there's still two games to go. They might not, but uh, you would say it looks like they're going to make the finals. Yeah. That's a really good achievement for them. If they get anything out of that, that's that's great. They're, they're not a huge club with huge resources, and Talley has made them, yeah, just an exciting team to watch a lot of the time. Um, so he definitely deserves the opportunity to try something else. Big overseas move. He could be at Victory or Sydney FC next season. You know, that's over the Tasman Sea. That's that's what they were talking about, right? That's his big overseas move. Vic, uh, victory. I thought it was Sydney FC, but yeah, yeah, overseas yeah. probably Australia. Don't yeah, think he's going anywhere else. I I don't see him getting a European gig. Um, no. Yeah, but you know he he's done a good job with Wellington. Um, mm. Now Italiano um, replacing him is it's definitely an interesting one. I. I assume he's got all the badges that that meet the requirements to to coach um, at that level. He um, but he's media page. Well, he's he's not an ex footballer, and and that's the the cool thing. He he kind of calls himself a, a self proclaimed nobody, Ted Lasso um, or something. Yeah, yeah. So he he's really had to work his way up, and and he seems to think. He's learnt lots from sitting under coaches like Steve Corica and Graham Arnold and now mm. Uffi. And um, he, because he has to actually think about how the game works, he's not a footballer who can just rely on that football knowledge. He's he's actually got to think it out himself. He, he reckons he, he comes with a fresh approach and, and wants to build on the tactics that mm. Talley has uh, brought to the Wellington Phoenix. So that's, look, uh, I think it's, it's cool that, other than him, I don't know if there's many other uh, Kiwi coaches being uh, brought up through their their systems. Um, so this is a pretty cool opportunity for somebody, a new coach, a new face in, in the A-League uh, press conferences. Yep. Yes, no, it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes with Wellington. Um, I guess we're coming to an end of our chat, but let's just have a quick look ahead to the fixtures uh, this weekend. Friday night will be the game I'll be at, Western Sydney v Wellington at Combank Stadium in Parramatta. Um, looking at the bookies, I shouldn't look at the bookies, but Wanderers are hot favourites. Don't know about that. I think Wellington will be a good test, but well, I think it- um, Wanderers should win. It could be interesting because if Wanderers do beat Wellington and Sydney beat Brisbane, it uh, could be heating up for a, a derby in the, the final. In the final. That, that, 
that would be very spicy because it's never happened before. It's happened in an FFA Cup game, but it's never happened in uh, the A-League. Mm. So that'll be very interesting. Speaking of derbies, F3 derby, 5pm, Saturday Arvo up at Newcastle, uh, Newcastle and the Central Coast. i tell you what, Jets are right on the edge of the six. Mm. And actually, if if Wanderers beat Wellington, we jump Jets- Jets can't catch them because their goal difference sucks. But um, look, the Jets are, are right there. So mm. F three derby, Jets love an F three derby. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't back against the Jets in this one. Mm. Speaking of derbies, <laughs> Western United uh, is hosting uh, Melbourne City at Amy Park on Saturday night. That's your seven forty five kickoff. Western United uh, need to win to keep their final hopes alive. City, well, it doesn't really matter what they do. They could, you know, take it easy. They could blood a few youngsters if they want and do whatever the hell they want because they've got the job done two weeks early. So um, I still yeah. think City will probably be too strong. But, you know, Western's still got a lot to fight for and I don't know. Yeah, I don't think City will take the foot off the pedal. Uh, I think that's a dangerous thing to do coming into the final. So I think they'll want to just keep things ticking along nicely and and they should win this one. Yeah, uh, Sunday Arvo, the 3 p.m. kickoff, a lovely time to go watch some football. But I can't imagine there'll be too many people there because um, uh, their fan base is quite toxic at the moment. Melbourne Victory is hosting MacArthur at Amy Park. It's a fight for the bottom. The Spoon Bowl. (laughs) And the Bookies bookies think Melbourne Victory are damn hot favourites, and I think that's a roar because these two teams are bang average. I think Victory should probably win this one, but uh, if MacArthur wanted to do us all a favour and give Victory the second spoon in three seasons, they would be revered across the land. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see MacArthur win this one, but, um, yeah, look, both teams will just be playing for pride, and that's the most heartbreaking thing you can say to a team at this stage of a a league season. You're just playing for pride out there. Is it? We're talking about Melbourne Victory and... A team that nobody wanted. Are we really, do we really feel bad for them? No, 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 no. But, you know. Anyway, um, and the 6 p.m. kickoff, well, 6 p.m. in New South Wales, which means over in Perth, that's like 3 p.m., I think. Perth's hosting Adelaide at HBF Park for just the second time this season they've played there. Um, Mm. I I actually think Perth, um, back home, um, they've played really well when playing at home. Adelaide look a bit off at the moment. a loss for Adelaide really opens up that race for um, the second spot on the ladder. Um, geez, what do you reckon? Perth or Adelaide? Yeah, look, I think Adelaide will just be too good. I think they'll get on top of those hiccups from the last couple of weeks. And yeah, Perth aren't great. Yeah. And on to Monday night at 7 p.m. And must be because the next day is Anzac Day, so it's public holiday. Brisbane, back at Lang Park or Suncorp Stadium, the hosting Sydney FC. Oof. Gosh, who knows? Which Sydney FC is going to turn up? Yeah, look, often it's at home that Sydney don't turn up. So, mm. yeah, who knows? After a really good 4-1 win, Brisbane will probably win this one. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's how good I am this season. John O'Shea penalty five to go. Look, it's pretty pretty even in the bookies as well. So yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think it'll be close. Sydney, you you would think Sydney should win this, right? The quality they have in the park compared to Brisbane, they should win this. But last time they played Brisbane, they 
just rescued a point late on in the game. So, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Not like a nil or draw to me. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. That's all six games for the weekend. That's a wrap on our little weekly chat. So thanks for joining us, folks. Um, let us know in the comments whatever you're feeling, whatever your thoughts are on this video or what you had for breakfast. Uh, leave a like for the video. Subscribe if you haven't and share it on social media. We greatly appreciate it. We're pushing towards... 600 subscribers or 700? Uh, 700. I think we're over 600. Seven. What a number. Um, and thanks to you. I think I've got over 500 reviews for my vlog at the Wanderers uh, the last time I checked. So that's uh, it's really good to see all the love you guys are showing us. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll see you in the next uh, weekly wrap, which we'll try and get out next Thursday. Yeah, man.